With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. The show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time coming out of the beautiful Monticello, Maine. And today uh, is Columbus Day. Um, I do take this show a few hours, usually a day or two in advance. Anyway, but it's Columbus Day, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Columbus. Uh, And also I want to comment on the primaries. But before I do, I just want to mention that Camp Constitution Radio is sponsored by Camp Constitution. Uh, Visit our website, campconstitution.net. Uh, among other things, Camp Constitution runs a week-long, week-and-a-day-long family camp in beautiful Ringe, New Hampshire. It's a one-week. Uh, the camp runs this. Uh, next year's camp runs from June, July 10th to the 17th, and you can go on our website, CampConstitution.net, to find out about it. We also have a book publishing and pamphlet, the brochure booklet publishing arm. Uh, Camp Constitution Press. You can visit our online bookstore to see what we have to offer. We're actually in the process of uh, publishing something that's been out of print for many years. It is a Senate, U.S. Senate report on the Article 5 Constitutional Convention procedures. It concerned two bills that were introduced back in 1979 by Orrin Hatch, who chaired the committee. And it's 1,300-plus pages. not exactly ripping reading, but it's excellent research. Um, it is available in PDF format, um, but we have it. Uh, we're going to put it in, in – we're going to reprint it and uh, make it available for those serious students of this issue. Um, back in 1790, held hearings. And the bottom line is that Congress believes it can uh, make laws guiding an Article 5. They've submitted laws or bills over the years. None were ever passed, uh, but this is sort of evidence. Uh, the Senate wouldn't have hearings for that lasted days and compile lots and lots of uh, articles. Um, the, the document isn't just about people against an Article 5. There's uh, testimony pro and con. There's also numerous articles that came from law journals. But uh, some of the Article 5 supporters are of the impression, uh, impression that um, – only a handful of fringe people back in the 70s had any opposition to it here. That's why they've never had one, just fringe people who have no uh, no impact. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, so it's something we're going to make available. We'll have it on the, on the online bookstore probably in a couple of weeks. And we're not going to put a whole lot in print, but we'll make them available. And also uh, you can go to uh, the Camp Constitution Scribd.com page and find it. I, again, I think it's entitled 1979 Article 5 Constitutional Convention Procedures, uh, the U.S. Senate Subcommittee on the Judiciary, Judiciary Subcommittee. So anyway, um, and you can also visit uh, our YouTube channel and you can see some of the 
not just some of the classes that we have at camp over at camp over the years, but some of the activities as well as this radio show. We uh, put it up on YouTube, uh, and so I think we've got I think this this show thirty six or thirty seven, so you can find all, all of them and. Um, you know, hopefully copy and paste the ones you think that uh, are particularly of interest to you. Anyway, uh, so again, today's Columbus Day, and there's been so much, uh, no, um, Columbus has been maligned uh, lately, the last uh, couple of decades, in this uh, crusade to wipe out all uh, vestiges of our history and our culture, might be good. And, uh, and Columbus is uh, Columbus, of course, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, all these kinds of holidays are, uh, we have to be, uh, Thanksgiving was that uh, the evil pilgrims abused the Indians, and Columbus was a genocidal maniac, and that this, this is what you get. Actually, uh, there's an incredibly good book on the subject that I recommend, Columbus and Cortez, Conquerors for Christ by John Eidsmo. And John is a constitutional scholar, historian, uh, Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. Now, this book was published back, I think, in the mid-90s. And John is still very actively pursuing the liberty movement. Let's see, the first edition came out in 1992, so you can probably find it on Amazon. But he goes into, that's a real strong defense of Columbus and his mission that Columbus was a devout Christian, a cross-bearer, uh, and, uh, and his goal was not just to... Uh, his goal was to uh, claim the new new world for Christ. And uh, there's, again, there's been so much misinformation. One of the things we hear a lot about is that, uh, and, and a lot of people have been guilty of this, that they, people thought back then that the world was flat. And Columbus knew it wasn't flat. And, and therefore, you know, uh, well, that was a myth. That was a myth. Uh, the people back then didn't think the world was flat. They thought the world was smaller and that Columbus could have sailed uh, westward and find a trade route to the Indies a lot uh, sooner. So the the idea that um, that this is a myth, uh, and there's a lot of anti-Christian and even some anti-Catholic. I happen to be a professing Protestant Christian, um, uh, uh, but I know that there are some people of the Protestant persuasion that uh, don't like the Catholic connection, so they'll they'll say this. And in fact, I found that error in a homeschool textbook. Um, so uh, I do recommend the book. I think it gives a, a good defense of Columbus. And perhaps the, <clears throat> the greatest authority on Columbus, maybe in the world, was Samuel Elliott Morrison, the Harvard historian. I think he did a six, four or five volume book on, on him. And uh, you know, he gives, obviously, a good clean bill of health. Um, yes, things, th- unfortunate things happened, and Columbus May not have been uh, the best administrator, but uh, you know the the idea that he was some kind of genocidal maniac is just absolutely absurd. So I recommend the book. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the uh, the primaries coming up uh, that are happening, uh, the campaigns, the debates, um, and what I tell people is that the the insiders, the the folks who are promoting the new world order, the uh, these, they pretty much have had the office of the U.S. president for quite a long time. And the idea that it will somehow come to, it will change because of an election, this upcoming election, uh, you know, this idea of a, uh, we'll be able to get the right person in the White House and kind of roll back some of the, the big government agenda, it's probably not going to happen. 
And every four years, uh, people get all excited about the candidates. And, you know, you'll see people on the Facebook pages with uh, Cruz or Donald Trump, pictures of Trump or Rand Paul and so forth. Now, I do believe in the process. I believe that we have an obligation to uh, participate, uh, and we should get behind candidates of our choice and um, you know, with the hope that that person is the right per- will be the right person for the job, et cetera. But the problem is we focus so much on the White House, the executive branch, and so little on the most powerful branch, which is the United States Congress, or specifically the House of Representatives. Our founders gave us frequent elections every two years, and that's, that's your term limits, folks. So you don't need to have an amendment to have term limits. Every two years, you can vote that person out. And unfortunately, uh, people get lazy. They don't even know who their member of Congress is. But they know, may, may know the president, they may know the vice president, but they don't know the person in Congress that represents them. And the founders gave Congress most of the powers. They have about 30 powers. Uh, where the president only has maybe half a dozen. Um, so why do we why do we focus so much? Because this is where the media is. All the media attention is on the White House, but very little is on the Congress. Not as exciting because there's 435, and there's, they only represent maybe 650,000 people each. So, so I would say yes, support your candidate. And I'll talk a little bit about the candidates and my my take on them, but. And I want to point out, too, that uh, Camp Constitution Radio, Camp Constitution, does not endorse any candidate uh, whatsoever. That's not what we're set up to do. We are, our goal is to help inform and educate people. Uh, and my question to anybody who asked me, I said, the question you, I would turn is that, what is that person's position <clears throat> on the Constitution? And then you judge by that. If the person is a constitutionalist, then they're most likely worthy of support. Now, by the way, saying that you're a constitutionalist doesn't make you one. And there are a lot of people who think they're constitutionalists but aren't. Uh, so that's that's the challenge here. So anyway, Congress, um, the House of Representatives says the purse strings. They're the ones that appropriate the, the money. They're the ones that uh, declare war. They're the ones that uh, you know, the Senate does uh, treaties with, um, you know, with, you know, with approved treaties. They're the ones that impeach. So they have so much power. And that's where you should focus. Find out who's running uh, in your congressional district. And that's where you should spend most of your time. Now, let's look at some of the candidates that are uh, just quite a few Republicans and so far just a few Democrats. Uh, Donald Trump is getting a lot of people excited because he's talking about some of the things that they wish the other candidates would talk about, illegal immigration and uh, our position in the Middle East and so forth. I would be very leery of Trump, uh, his his history. Uh, I don't think he's a constitutionalist. In fact, pretty much isn't. Um, he is saying some things that we may like, but um, if you just the more the more he talks, the more you hear him, you know, you realize that he is not uh, a real person in in the patriot community. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he was uh, hobnobbing with Hillary Clinton and donating money to her and her foundation. Uh, so I, I don't think Trump, and I personally don't think he's going to last that much longer. Some people tell me that they think that he's going to get the nomination and uh, and then back out and make sure that the Democrat wins. I don't know if that's the case or not. Uh, 
let's see, uh, Ben Carson. I have to have a lot of respect for Dr. Carson, especially at that uh, prayer breakfast where he made Obama feel very uncomfortable. Um, I don't think he's a t- total constitutionalist, but I, I, and I know he's saying some of the right things, and he's probably a good man. And I would suggest that uh, if he when 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 he does drop out, if he does drop out of the uh, in the primary before New Hampshire, maybe after New Hampshire, New Hampshire would be the first primary in the country. I would recommend that uh, he run for run for Congress. And um, now Rand Paul is someone that, in my opinion, might be the the best of a bad lot. Rand Paul has a really good voting record in in the Senate. Uh, he is not like his father totally. I know he's come out in favor of this free trade agreements, uh, and then he's opposed it, and then he's in favor of it. So I'm a little leery of that. I know he's a little bit too close to some of the neocons. I think he backed um, Senator McConnell in uh, in Kentucky, and the argument is, well, he's got to play. He's got to play football. He's got to play, um, you know, footsie with these people, so he'll get their support. I tell you, the neocons will not support him. When uh, when the time comes, he will stab him in the back, and he'll he'll learn that, you know, you can't lie down. You lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas, as the old saying. Uh, so who else we have? Bill? We got Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz's voting record isn't too bad in the Senate. I think he's like a 75 or 70 or 80 on 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 the index. I look at the Freedom Index. Um, I, I do. My biggest problem with Ted Cruz is his wife's connections to the Goldman Sachs banking industry, and the fact that you see it, that she's a council and foreign relations member. Uh, that would be my biggest concern. Uh, you don't just become a CFR member uh, because you send an application in with, with the annual dues. Um, and the Goldman Sachs—they're the ones that are backing carbon credits and. Uh, Agenda 21 and all of the negative things. So I—that's—that's I, that's my biggest concern. Uh, Marco Rubio, uh, I don't think he's going to go too far. He is supposed to be this great conservative, and he's Hispanic, so uh, he's, he's politically correct in that regard. But he's an open borders guy, and uh, you may remember a couple of years ago he was one of the gang of eight that were, were trying to uh, they, that supported this uh, amnesty reform, so-called amnesty reform or immigration reform bill. He is not a constitutionalist by any stretch. Then you get uh, Lindsey Graham. Uh, Lindsay is part of the problem. Uh, he is a in, he is a hardcore neocon, moderate to liberal. I call, they used to call Rockefeller or limousine liberals, um, and he's definitely not the person. Now, as I said earlier, Congress is the key. I started getting involved. Uh, I think I, I cast my first vote in 1980. I was in the army overseas before that, and I tried to vote absentee ballot for an office, the U.S. Senate. And I wasn't able to do that, uh, but um, I, I voted for Ronald Reagan in the primary. I mean, in the general election, 1980, and I was very excited about voting for Ronald Reagan. And I thought, boy, this guy is saying all the right things, and he's going to do he's going to do the right thing. And uh, and then it came down to um, uh, the first uh, first couple of months in office, he authorized uh, an increase in the debt ceiling. He sent uh, uh, money, uh, federal taxpayers' money, to communist Poland, and a lot of people like Reagan. A lot of conservatives think he's the best thing we've ever had in the White House. Uh, you know, since Calvin Coolidge or since George Washington, he also um, was responsible. His administration was responsible for the building up of communist China. 
some people may remember, he, he visited communist China. And back then the argument was, well, you see, uh, there's communists, there's the bad communists, the Russians, and the Chinese communists were the good communists. They don't like each other, so we've got to support somebody. And that was like, that's like telling me there's two gangs in town and you know, we back one gang over the other. Uh, but they're still gangs and they're criminals and you don't back either one. Uh, Reagan, uh, what really got me turned off was when I read an article in the local newspaper that Reagan had spent a cent a half a billion dollars of military hardware to communist China. And I thought, okay, something's not right here. And that was the beginning of my awakening in the process. So in 84, I did vote for him again, but I kind of held my nose. And in 88, you had, uh, you had Bush and you had Dukakis. Uh, this would be uh, George Bush uh, Sr. And Bush was a, he was a um, skull and bonesman, a council on foreign relations, a trilateral commission member, and so wasn't Jimmy Carter. So you didn't really have much difference uh, uh, in some people. But some people I knew, uh, you know, held their nose and voted for Bush uh, over Dukakis. Being from Massachusetts, we know, uh, I knew Dukakis a little too well. And uh, so, uh, he didn't. Uh, so, in '92 was kind of interesting. We had uh, a Rhodes Scholar, Bill Clinton, who I also think at the time was a CFR, a Trilateral Commission member. You know, this uh, good old boy from Arkansas. We thought, oh, you know, okay, he, he sings in a choir. He must be a good old Baptist boy. And uh, his wife's a little, a little funny background, but boy, Bill's a great guy, and he calls himself a Christian. And you had. Um, who, who read it? Oh, yeah, then you had, of course, Bush uh, trying to get trying to, and Bush didn't look like he really wanted to get his seat. But then you had something an uh, interesting phenomena. You had Ross Perot. Ross Perot came out of really came out of nowhere as far as the political problem. I mean, he was involved in, in a very successful business, and he was coming out strongly against NAFTA, and rightfully so. And he got a lot of excitement. And in the election, he got uh, something like 18 million votes. That was pretty good, and no doubt some of those votes took took uh, votes away from Bush because most of the people that voted for Pro were probably Republicans. I don't think you had a lot of Democrats uh, that uh, were going for Pro. Uh, probably a small percentage. So uh, Clinton gets in. Clinton does the same stuff that um, Daddy Bush would have done. He he gave us NAFTA, uh, opened up Vietnam, and established normalized relations with Vietnam. He tried to get the socialized medicine through unsuccessfully. And then in 96, you had Bob Dole. Bob Dole was a very uninspired, um, longtime senator, moderate, uh, connected to the insiders. I don't know if he was a, can't remember if he was a council on foreign relations member, but he may have, may have well been. He, he was surrounded by that type. Uh, and, and then, of course, 2000, you had... Uh, Al Gore, the former vice president, running against uh, George W. Bush. And George W. Bush was pretty much a chip off his dad's block. He surrounded himself with uh, globalist insiders, and we were stuck with eight years of that. In 04, who do we have in 04? Um, I can't even remember who ran. I, uh, it was a very close election. Oh, um, Kerry and uh, Lieberman, right? I think it was... Uh, yeah, Kerry and Lieberman. And Kerry was a, that was an interesting race in 04 because you had probably for the first time two skull and bonesmen both getting the nomination for the main parties. Um, let's see, uh, the skull and bones 
doesn't have that many members. So what are the odds of two bonesmen being uh, being uh, both? Well, we know the odds because the people in charge, the, the New World Order people, the insiders, the globalists, or whatever you want to call them, the insiders, they're the ones that pretty much. Uh, so we we think we have choices. We have controlled choice. These are the people we're putting in front of you, and uh, you know, so we do choose between the what the establishment gives us, and that's. Um, and then we have this, uh, and then we had Obama. I know, interesting, Obama sort of came out of nowhere. He was a, an organizer, Solinsky-type uh, organizer. He himself didn't know Olinsky, but he studied his tactics. And um, he runs for the state senate in Illinois, and he's only in there, not even a full term, I don't think, and he becomes the keynote speaker at the 2004 convention, Democrat convention in Boston, and wow, people were saying, he's the wave of the future, he's the party, he's the face of the party, all of a sudden, and he runs for the U.S. Senate and gets wins the seat and uh, he, he becomes president. Talk about fast-tracking uh, somebody, and now we've got, uh, we're stuck with eight years of, of Obama. So this next election will be interesting. Um, it will be interesting to see the Democrats. Um, uh, Biden is now talking about running. Um, Hillary Clinton, I think, is, she's a very poor candidate. As far, If I was a liberal Democrat, I would love Hillary for what she stands for, but I would say you're a bad candidate. You're just not the right person uh, for the job. Uh, as much as a Democrat may love her, her, her contempt, uh, I'm saying some Democrats, not all Democrats, but... Uh, the uh, the activist she she's an ardent abortionist she's an ardent promoter of homosexuality she hates the United States with a passion she hates conservatism she hates Christians so she's the right person but uh, she's not she just doesn't have the right personality and I think that's gonna and and she's got baggage especially with Benghazi and some other things so I think um, and then you got Bernie Sanders. Bernie has been a longtime um, socialist. He runs as an independent. And some people like Bernie because, uh, first off, his voting record is better than most, um, a lot of Democrats and Republicans. And there's something that we refer to as the Sander-Neister index. When you see how Bernie votes, and when you're to the left of Bernie, you know you must be pretty bad because uh, Bernie is an admitted socialist. Uh, Bernie was working with Ron Paul against auditing the Fed, and then when it got to the point where the bill may pass, he ended up uh, watering it down. So Bernie will run interference for the establishment. He'll, uh, as a Vermont, as, as a senator from Vermont, as a member of Congress from Vermont, you had to be, uh, you have to be pro, you have to vote in favor of the right to keep their arms at the federal level if you want to keep your job in Vermont, even though Vermont's very socialist. Even the socialists like to be armed in Vermont, so uh, they tend to be very pro Second Amendment. But uh, I, I guarantee you, the minute Bernie, uh, the minute Bernie, you, if he was to become president, he would be an, av an big advocate of disarmament. There's no question in my mind. And he comes out against these free trade agreements and these partnerships. But I guarantee you, if he gets the nomination, he gets elected, he will totally embrace the um all of these so um so um and incidentally i mentioned ron um ross perot and lots of people say perot was sort of a, a spoiler he per they ran him on purpose they wanted him to lose uh that's possible 
something else happened like that in 19, the election of 1912 where you had uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Bull Moose. He ran on the third party. Uh, you had uh, Woodrow Wilson and Howard Taft. Taft had been the sitting president. And Taft was a skull and bones man, but for some reason he was going to stay strong against the Federal Reserve. He was not in favor of the Federal Reserve Bank. So uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who still was very popular, does something unprecedented. He runs on a third party. And the man who ran his party was a man named Raymond Robinson. He was the campaign manager. Now, Raymond Robinson, I'm sorry, Raymond Roberts, uh, he is not a household name, but um, if you read a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, his name comes up. Um, he was a, um, an official. He was part of the, a delegation to St. Petersburg, part of the Red Cross mission uh, during the Bolshevik Revolution. And um, there was a book called British Agent. It was written by a British diplomat who happened to be in, uh, in, uh, in um, St. Petersburg at the time of the revolution. And he was shocked when uh, this, this American, who was a young American upstart, he was on the phone to Lenin, and Lenin's nephew had given um, this fellow a hard time. And he, Robbins is basically calling the shots, telling Lenin what to do. So, um, so in 1912, of course, um, the Bumble's party did not win, but it took our votes away, and we got stuck with Woodrow Wilson. And I would say that Wilson was probably did more damage in, in, his, two, in his two terms uh, as far as advancing the agenda. He sort of made it possible. He gave us the income tax, the Federal Reserve Bank, the inheritance tax, income tax being the 16th Amendment. And worse than that, the, the League of Nations and World War I. So even though we became an empire uh, to a lesser degree during the McKinley, McKinley administration in 1898, uh, this is when we became the arsenal of democracy, when it was our job to have a mission around the world. And unfortunately, we never looked back. So um, I do suggest that it's uh, you know that you should vote in elections. I don't think we should. I know there are some people who say, oh, you know, you shouldn't participate. No, you should, and that you should get behind a candidate for president um, if you find some that you're liking, and and that's all, that's all good. Uh, but as I said earlier, the the action is not in the White House or the executive branch. The action is in Congress. Just pick up your Constitution, and you look at Article 1, Section 7 and 8, and you will find all of the powers that Congress or that our founding fathers delegated to that, that, that branch. Article 1, Section 1 says that all lawmaking abilities are vested in a Congress, which shall consist of a Senate and the House of Representatives, and that is where the focus should be. Um, and and people say, well, you know, do we need to have 435 constitutionalists to turn things out? No, we don't. We don't even we we need a majority, even a small majority. We could have fewer than uh, but 218, 219. Uh, but if we have to have committed constitutionalists, if you had a if you had 150 to 200 committed constitutionalists, they would have control over a lot of the wet finger types. You know, I'll just do what I have to do because see which way the wind is blowing. And I also want to say, I know that the local print media used to have uh, so much power. 
they don't have as much power as they used to. They're still influential. And of course, you have the big online, the big online media outlets as well. But thanks to the alternative media, like this radio station, and like dozens of hundreds of other uh, radio stations and uh, online sources, the local newspaper does not have the power to, like they used to have to make you or break you. There are people that would just they would vote the wrong way because they knew that if you lived in Boston, the Boston Globe would come after me, or the the Columbus Dispatch, or the New York Times, or the Sacramento Bee, or the Chicago Tribune, or whatever newspaper they would they would massacre me if I if I opposed this. Well, now they don't have that power, and it's uh, but it's still we're still living where we're living in an era where there are a lot of people that are functionally illiterate. They're being distracted by all of the, uh, you know, all of the sports, the obsession with sports. And by the way, I like a good, I like to watch a good football game or a baseball game. You know, I don't see that in itself as a bad thing. It's because we're obsessed with it, 24/7. If it's not the sport itself, it's the talking about it. You can get out, you listen to these sports shows, and you see these boy men get really passionate about things, about their teams and about the players, and they know so much. They know their salaries. They know what school they went to. They know their wives' name. They know their average and their percentages and this and that. But they don't know the member of Congress. And uh, many, you know, many ladies are the, are the same mindset. They, they also have their distractions. Um, and I would say that, uh, you know, it's, it's a sort of a deliberate thing. And, and then you look at, gee, you know, you worked, you, your husband and wife are both working. You're working a time and a half to make ends meet. And then uh, you come home and you just don't want to do much. You just pick up your kids at the daycare center, and uh, and that's the problem. And I say all these things were all happened. Our enemies know exactly what they're doing, folks. So anyway, I think we're coming to an end of uh, this particular show. Um, I want again, I want to uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you're interested in helping this show, stay on the air. Uh, please consider, or not consider, but do become a sponsor. If you go to our camp, uh, uh, campconstitution.net website, you'll see a sponsors page, uh, and you know, for just a donation, you can put your business on there. Uh, if you have a business, so you can just make a donation through PayPal to help our camp program. Or um, we also, um, uh, you know, you can visit our uh, bookstore, online bookstore, and see what we have to offer. Some of the great products we have. Um, you want to see what we do at our camp? Well, go to uh, go to the website. You'll see a link to YouTube, and you'll see um, uh, some of the classes. Uh, Chris, we just uploaded uh, a couple of Chris Ann Hall's presentations she gave at camp. Tom Deweese, uh he did a really great job on the taking economics 101. That's available online. So again, uh, thank you for listening. God bless you. Until next week. This is Hal Shirtlift, Camp Constitution on WBCQ The Planet.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.